0: Welcome to Dice with Death, where anyone could die at the roll of a dice. I'm your direct messenger, Ollie Bateman, and joining me again for this week's performative Dungeons & Dragons podcast is Chatty Badger's Jamie Powers. I've actually forgot to
1: write my opening.
2: <laughs> hold on, hold on, did. someone else needs to go first and I'll try and write it now.
1: Oh, I can't wait to see how this turns out. You have until the end
0: of uh, Amy and Adam's turn to write something. So I'm also joined by IGN's Amy Mallett.
1: Oh, hang on. Let me get my book.
0: <laughs>
1: let me let me get my book. Uh, okay.
0: I don't know what episode this is, but it's going so well.
1: It's going brilliantly. Um. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, my name is Zakaya Rubbledusk, and I got. Stuck on a sub with the merfolk lurking. What you saying, hon? The comms ain't working. Fucking hell. I'd written this rap out like a couple of days before. Give us some give us some bombs and reset our course. We're going to the barracks as a Trojan horse with a genius plan by a dear friend, Ark. Does anyone know how to release the shark? Titus got selfies with a couple of fools and we ended up beating up some cheesy tools. I was going to say, can I have a sick beat? can i have a sick beat beforehand but i thought i mean i've already cocked this up by like taking forever to get my book and i thought jamie could use a bit more time to write so
0: (laughs) i am i am also uh joined by uh, whatculture.com's adam wilborn
1: i'm titus
3: and these are my friends zakaia and ark last time our mission was release the shark I distracted guards with charm and flexing. Then we got into a battle that was mighty vexing. We need to finish our Trojan horse, Thang, quickly before that bomb goes bang.
0: Oh, Oh. Oh my my God. God. (laughs) We're going to go back to the start now, and we're going to say, joining me again on this week's Performative Dungeons & Dragons podcast is Chatty Badger's Jamie Powis. We threw a fat bloke down a lift shaft now
2: we're in a base. I hope we don't get trapped. I'm Mark. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? That's what I've got. That's all is I've that, got. You put some
3: tumbleweed in there. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and then just like wind whispers, your shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do better next
0: time.
2: Can I? Can I just say I, I, edit, I edit the podcast, so this is yeah. all going out, and okay. yeah. I am just going to delete all of yours. He's so, just going yeah, to go. re-record
3: mine, but with yeah. his yeah. voice over it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, too busy, he's too busy raising a small human and editing this podcast whilst we tit about. He's <laughs> getting priority sorted, mate.
0: Now that's out the way, is everybody ready to do some adventuring? Yeah! Mm-hmm. Previously on Dice with Death... The gang became a group of deer in the headlights as a combat submarine approached them and tried to open up communications. Not knowing if the crew was a friend or foe, Art coined the idea of pretending that the communications module had broken aboard the escape pod by making radio frequency sounds into his hands. After some shenanigans involving a pen and single letters written on the bottom of coffee cups, Zakaya finally found the talkback switch on the control panel. The military and political head of the Seraclean merfolk, Aura Guard, introduced herself to the party and was incredibly well-read up on the more recent illegal activities Ark, Zakiya and Titus had taken part in. Ark was arrested for theft in the port of Uji, having stolen food from some local kids. Zakaya was thrown in jail for attacking three solar naval officers while trying to save a dog from being beaten to death. And Titus was detained for illegal sports fixing in lower league wrestling, the details of which even he has no idea of. Explaining the Territorial Peace Treaty had been broken by the corrupt force of the Solar Navy, Aura informed the gang that their confiscated equipment was being held at the South Shore Barracks in Uji, where your autopiloted escape pod was set to dock within the hour. A crew of 40 Merfolk and Special Forces then appeared and reinforced the damaged escape pod with metal plates, while simultaneously attaching a bomb to the side of the vessel. With little other option to consider, you agreed to Aura's explosive covert Trojan horse plan and reignited the escape pod's autopilot mode to head to the barracks. Once inside, you had an absolute mind melt as you all started shouting (laughs) at the top of your lungs, RELEASE THE SHARK, as you pondered what to do with the corpse of the angler shark still attached to the escape pod's harpoon. Enter your old friend Squiddy, who though confused at the situation, pulled the trigger on the escape pod's harpoon, launching it across the docking bay, tripping the alarm system. Once out of the escape pod, you all made your way through the doors that led to the armory, only to be confronted by two minor solar naval officers watching Galactic Wrestling Federation highlights on their speaking stones. Zakir and Ark snuck around the guards and into the armory, while Titus distracted them with, well, himself, flexing and regaling tales of his time in the GWF. You all recovered most of your equipment back from the confiscation section of the armory, while picking up a few new weapons along the way too. You then advanced to the freight elevator, but were greeted by a very rotund captain of the guard and his small crew of soldiers. In a fight that centred around the cheese dripping from the fat captain's neck, you notice that him and his personal bodyguard were in possession of some of your more important confiscated items. In the bodyguard's possession were Titus's great axe, Ark's shield and Zacchaeus' druidic focus, while the captain wore Ark's holy symbol around his neck. Zakiya ended the encounter with a nat 20, severing the freight elevator's counterweight cable and dropping the platform 100 feet down into the basement of the facility. With one last look back towards you all, the bloodied bodyguard grabbed onto the counterweight cable and rocketed up the elevator shaft, while all you heard after he disappeared was a muffled roar from the facility's depths below. And that's where we are now. A silence comes across the room as the dust settles and the roar you once heard from the elevator shaft below you dissipates. At this moment, you all turn to look at each other. What do you do?
2: How long have we got left until um, the whole base explodes?
0: That's a very good question. In all the shenanigans that you spent doing last episode, you've used up about 10 minutes of your time. So you've got 20 minutes left until this bomb goes bye-bye.
1: Okay. Uh, Can anyone see a way up this shaft? (laughs) Anyone at all?
2: My holy symbol is down at the bottom of that mine shaft. Now, I don't mind not picking up a holy symbol. Um, I've got got what I wanted um, back, so I'm really happy with that. So if we want to just not grab it, that's fine.
1: Well, now I kind of feel bad. I mean, how... How precious is this um this holy symbol? Like, can you get another one at your local office? or like, is it a one-time thing?
2: Uh, like, it, it's uh if you if you want to know, it is a it's a, a little medal that my my kid made.
1: Oh shit! Oh, I didn't bollocks. expect him to say that. <laughs> yeah, crap. We're probably gonna have to go down and get it then, aren't we?
2: But you know, I can I can get a, I probably can get a not a replacement but, like handcrafted medal from my kid. Uh, but I can probably get uh, get one from like garages. I'll probably get one from Shell, can't I? <laughs> I think of petrol, but I can probably get a new one.
1: Yeah, it won't quite be the same though, will it? Won't, it
2: won't. It really won't.
1: Do we wanna maybe split up or I mean Uh-oh. first of all, shall we roll I know. <laughs> shall we split up and look for clues? Um should we roll a perception check to see if there's a way up or down the shaft?
3: Mm, that's a good idea. Who's got the best perception? Anyone who Uh,
0: wants to roll a perception check can do so, I'm going to do
1: it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the first roll of the game. Uh, That's a a three. I actually (laughs) thought it was an eight just because of the dim light. (laughs) It was like, shit, no, it's even shit than I thought. Uh, So my perception on top of that is going to be 11. A whopping 11
0: Anybody else rolling perception at this point, or are we just going with a Yeah, eights? no. I'll, I'll yeah,
1: no, well. please.
2: <laughs> I uh, I rolled a two, so that puts me at a six. I'll have a look
3: as well. Okay, stand back.
1: Eleven! Oh. <laughs> he falls down the shaft.
2: <laughs> but as he falls, he notices everything.
1: <laughs> his life flashes before his eyes. <laughs>
0: Titus, as you step towards the elevator shaft where the doors have been completely ripped off and this, this elevator shaft has plummeted below, um, as you peer over the edge where the elevator doors once were, looking up you see a safety door that has lowered like a drawbridge blocking any potential route leading up the shaft. And as you look down, you see a maintenance ladder leading towards the wreckage of the freight platform at the bottom of the shaft.
3: Guys, there's a maintenance ladder re- reaching down towards the uh, bottom of the shaft.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Um, um, how how, big, how, long, how far down does it look? Pretty
0: far. <laughs> <laughs> With Titus' perception, you can tell that it's about 100 feet down.
2: About 100 feet down, guys. How, how long do you think it would take us to get to the bottom of her?
0: So if you were ascending 100 foot on a ladder, it probably takes you like a couple of minutes.
2: So I know my wings are still damaged, but can I? They are. Can I like, like? I don't say featherfall because I don't have that spell. Mm. But can I just stick my wings out and just kind of slow myself down so I can hop down and then have a look around? Yeah, you
0: can totally do that if you want.
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna say to the to the guys and just go. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm probably just gonna nip down and, and just get my stuff. Is that okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, cool. hey, it's your it's your medal, you cool. know. And there, there's not a shell garage around for miles, so I think it's the right call. Um, be careful and uh, let us know what's down there oh hang on wait. wasn't there like a massive growl from down there
2: put my wings back um, yeah there was how
0: <laughs> as, as Titus did look up this elevator shaft you you know that there is absolutely no way up whatsoever um, so at this point in time it looks like your only way is down I put my wings back out Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Should we go down then?
1: Yeah, it's going down for real. Can I ride you or? Um, <laughs> I mean, we haven't got the time for that now. We need to get down to the bottom of the shaft. Can you guys please keep it in your pants?
2: Um, I, I I don't mean this to sound offensive. Um, but I'm a lot lighter than I look.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm graceful.
2: I'm probably as weak as I look. Uh, so uh, I, don't, I don't think it will go particularly well. But we will fall in style, I guess.
3: Alright, we'll climb down. Fine.
0: Okay. Uh, Ark, just to confirm, are you flying down or are you uh, climbing down? I'm, I'm going to climb. You're going to climb. Okay. So, you descend the maintenance ladder. Made of solid steel, you hear your own footsteps tap and echo throughout the chamber as you climb down. You start to feel the climate change and become much cooler than what you've experienced in the facility so far. The ladder rungs are almost icy to the touch and every footstep you take feels like you could slip off at any moment. You get 70 feet down before you hear another animalistic roar bellow out. This time, much clearer than when you first heard it. The roar starts to rumble and vibrate the ladder and the walls around you. Zakiya, Titus and Ark Everybody go ahead and make me strength-saving throws, please. Should have flowed. Should, should have seized my wings, shouldn't I? Ark, what did you get? Uh, I rolled a 15. Titus? 21. Zakiya? Uh
1: Six. Okay. Be, be gentle with me, Daddy. <laughs> please. Oh, I, got, I got seven HP. <laughs>
0: Um, Just so I'm clear, because I didn't ask this at the start, who went down the ladder first? What order did you all go down the ladder in? Mm. Um, uh, I would use this moment of my uh, lack of memory to to your advantage, if you can.
2: I, I think I would be going down first because I've probably got the most hit points. So I think that makes sense. I would have, got down, would have gone down first. Cause... And
1: Titus looks like he could break the fall of a young half-elf <laughs> quite nicely. So probably would go second, you know.
3: Yes. grab <laughs> out in case anyone slips off.
0: Well, it's funny that you mention that because, Zakiah with a six, um, you fall. Your your hands slip off the, the ladder rungs and you start to fall directly downward uh, downwards towards Titus. Um titus i'm going to need you to give me a strength saving throw again
2: can i can i help can i use the help action
0: you certainly can
2: okay i'm going to try and I'm like,
0: oh oh she's falling <laughs> that's,
2: that's the help that
0: i'm giving <laughs> <laughs> so with your words you 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 bolster titus from behind i guess 17 Yay! Yeah. So Zakaya falls directly onto your shoulders, and essentially is—you know when uh, little kids are at concerts and parents put them on their shoulders—yeah, chicken fight. (laughs) Zakaya, you land squarely on Titus's shoulders. Thanks, buddy. No worries. When we get to the bottom, let's
3: backflip off this ladder, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Zakaya hopes. Don't encourage me.
0: You start to hear another roar come from the bottom of the facility. You're about th- you're you're now uh, thirty feet from the bottom of this thing. Um, if anybody wants to go ahead and roll me an insight check, they can. I
3: think I think uh, Ark should do that. I'm I'm kind of busy thinking. Oh, this is pretty much backflip height. Uh.
2: So I rolled a three. So I don't think it's particularly going to do well for me.
0: Okay, no problem. You don't. Determine anything from the roar immediately, but you do keep descending the ladder. Zakiah on the top of Titus's shoulders, and Ark kind of hobbling down. Flying might have been a better option for you, but you get down nonetheless. Um, You've reached the bottom of the ladder, where you are greeted by a pile of twisted metal in a catastrophic heap. And at the base of this heap, hello, crushed, (laughs) crushed under the weight of it all, lay the bodies of the rotund captain of the guard and one of his minor soldiers. You also see the elevator doors on this level are buckled and broken into pieces, revealing a huge warehouse from which you can hear the sounds of whirring hydraulics. What are you all doing as you reach the bottom of this uh, this ladder?
2: I'm gonna search the guard for my um,
0: for my holy symbol. Roll me an investigation check.
2: That is a oh no, that is a four. <sighs>
0: you don't find anything. Oh, no. If anybody else would like to help him investigate, they absolutely
1: can. I will. Although I'm going to do it from up here, if that's all right, because I've never well, been hold, this tall hold, in my hold life. Hold on,
0: Titus. Titus, are you doing a double person backflip from where you are?
3: No, I would do normally, but I've just remembered I'm in quite a lot of pain uh, from the previous battle <laughs> and only have five HP and really don't want to like knock all my teeth out and die here. <laughs>
1: Knock okay. all your teeth out and die. The priority is yeah. order there. Okay. Zakaya,
0: investigation check, please.
1: Uh, my investigation is 20, not Nat. Oh.
0: Lovely. You notice an object shimmering on the floor by the captain's feet. It is... Uh, it's Ark's holy
1: symbol.
3: Yay! Hey.
1: There it is, dude.
2: Uh, I'm going to take the holy symbol and fit it into the head of my walking stick.
0: You fit this symbol into your helmet sorry head um of your walking stick and zakaya actually along with your uh, 20 investigation check you find three greater potions of healing
1: Ooh, okay bagsy yeah um, <laughs> bagsy
3: you gonna take all three of them i mean i did just save your life but okay oh.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll give them to each of you. I was just saying Bagsy, you know, because there might have been <laughs> other people around who wanted them, you know, just so the enemies know that they're definitely ours. Yeah, we're a team. Yeah. Here, have a potion. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give um, them, I'll dole them out to the three of us.
0: Lovely. So you, uh, you dish out these potions to everybody. If anybody wants to take a health potion, feel free. You'll need to roll 4d4s plus 4.
3: I don't know. What do you reckon, Ark? I'm on five HP, I don't know, which means I've lost ten. Should I take mine now or risk nearly dying first?
2: This again, if you want to ask Ark or Jamie. Um, so, from from Jamie's perspective, I have a spell called Prayer of Healing, which will get everyone two uh, D8 uh, plus my spellcasting modifier, uh, which is four health back. So I can either burn a spell slot, which might be fine. It gives me one more spell slot for the rest of this. But if you take the, like the, the healing potion, there's a lot of wasted healing from it. If it's a greater. I'm
3: just thinking if I get it down to like one HP and then see it off. I don't know whether that's risky or making the most of it.
1: I also think it's worth holding on to those potions for, and I hate to speak ill of, you know, the potentially almost dead, but if Ark does kick the bucket, then we should use those potions really then for him. Because, you know, we don't have a way of healing him, but he has a way of healing us. So strategy wise, you know, that we should definitely use the healing potion, use the healing spells until he's out of action, then use the healing potions on him.
3: Yeah, I'll pop, uh, I'll pop the, uh, the healing potion into uh, my utility belt. Cool.
2: I will cast Prayer of Healing. So we're going to have to take 10 minutes in this elevator shaft. Uh, so oh no, Have
1: we got 10 minutes, though?
2: I'm going to start casting it.
1: Oh. Uh, it's
2: Verbal. So, basically, I pray to, to tempo. Uh, so, up to six creatures of your choice that you can see within range. Each regain hit points equal to 2d8 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. This spell has no effect on undead or constructs. So, I'm going to mark that off as a spell that I've used. Uh, so, 2d8. So, so everyone gets 15 points of healing. Hey.
0: So, you see this... This lovely, holy energy uh, erupts from uh, Ark's hand and, uh, yeah, kind of caresses you all and you feel heartier immediately.
3: Could have done the backflip then is what we're saying.
0: <laughs> A wasted <laughs> backflip. Everybody go ahead and roll me perception checks. Ark, what did you get? 14. Titus? Six. Zakaya, 17 oh okay so zakiya and ark um not so much titus he's still in his head thinking that he could have done a backflip from that uh, maintenance <laughs> ladder but you guys you see a dimly lit vehicle maintenance warehouse that looks like from the from the elevator doors that, that are buckled at the bottom of the shaft you look in and you see this massive warehouse where these whirring hydraulics are coming from it looks to be 100 feet tall, and and looking in, you see vehicle lifts that engineers would use in order to work on the underside of tanks and submarines and other military utilities. But there are no vehicles in sight whatsoever. The warehouse isn't completely visible to you all as sections of it are cordoned off by industrial shelving units full of engine parts. Um, on the wall next to you is a sign that reads Maintenance Bay, as well as a few arrows pointing towards another operational freight elevator 150 feet directly opposite where you are now, across the other side of the warehouse.
2: Are there any um, like, small engine parts lying about, like maybe like some ball bearings or something?
0: There's there's loads of that. These these shelves that are also 100 feet tall are stacked with that kind of stuff.
2: Cool. Can I grab one of them and cast, cast a light on like that small engine part and just chuck it as far as I can to the other side of the warehouse?
0: Yeah, of course you can. Um, what, is your, what is your strength score?
3: Can I chuck it for you?
0: Actually, you yeah, have a really good idea. Great. So you cast light on uh, just a, just an engine part. That's what you're casting light on, right? Just like a cog or whatever. Just a cog, a, a little um, a little engine disc that sits there on the shelf. And yeah, Titus, um, let's... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say roll to hit. What is your dexterity? Just what's your dexterity score? Not your modifier, but your actual score. Uh, it is 15... Fifteen. Okay. I'm gonna say that you can throw this sixty feet, being the big boy that you are. Um so yeah, are you are you throwing this in any particular direction? What are you doing? Oh, line me up, brother.
2: I don't know where you want me to chuck this. Uh, I'm just gonna to point towards like the, the darkest, like the, the darkest bit that's around and potentially away from us.
0: Titus launches this cog into the room. You hear it soar as if, you know, there's little holes on these cogs where the wind starts to whistle through and you see that partway up the, uh, the warehouse that um, where it's dimly lit further up to the roof, um, it lights up for a second, kind of its trajectory takes a little bit of an arc and then it just hits the middle of the floor and slams into some other uh, industrial shelving units. It kind of hits the floor, bangs and rattles and then nothing.
2: Uh, can we see more of the warehouse now?
0: Uh, you can see more of that specific part of the warehouse, yes. So you, essentially what you've lit up is um, some more industrial shelves, more industrial units with more parts on it. It kind of looks like from where you are that this shelving, these shelving units act as kind of like a little bit of a maze to get through.
2: I guess it's like the end of Ikea, isn't it?
1: Also known as the free for all, right at the very end. Yeah, okay. So we can't go over it. It's like a, it's like that bear hunt song when you're a kid. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. We have
2: to go through it. Should we just, should we just go through it?
1: Yeah, because we're running out of time, aren't we? Yeah, we are.
2: Tick tick tick
0: tick 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 tick.
1: tick. gonna go off soon. Um yeah, I'm thinking probably the best bet is just to like uh ooh 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 um what have we got in our possession? Have we got anything we can kind of like Hansel and Gretel our way through this maze, you know? Like put it about so we don't get lost.
2: We don't I don't think we need to. I don't think we have to go back cuz back is the armory and stuff. I think we just need to just do it. I'm just <laughs> I'm just worried that this is out of character again. Ollie's gonna fuck us over when we walk over. He's gonna be like, "Oh, you didn't notice the 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 ninjas, uh, so.
1: <laughs> the shark ninjas." Um, yeah. Um, so can we do like a? I suppose we've already kind of exhausted all this, but like a perception check for traps.
0: Who has perceived the warehouse already? Um,
1: i per- we we got seventeen, didn't we, Me and Ark? I think.
0: Yes, yes. So if you want to do, if you want to, if you want to roll me an investigation check, go ahead. Six. (laughs) You don't see any traps. Of course I bloody
1: don't. (laughs) With a six, I wouldn't see a trap if it hit me in the face. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. All right. Uh, So you guys are
0: all right now stood in the bottom of this elevator shaft, like really, really tetchy about walking into this warehouse. What
3: about hauling one of the dead bodies across it just to see if anything kicks off?
0: <laughs>
1: That's actually head, not a bad idea. A <laughs> yeah, because if there's anything like a booby trap on the floor or anything, then in theory, if you're like throwing something, you know, out there, it's going to trigger it, right?
3: Just sliding the fat man along the floor on his cheese-stained body. <laughs>
1: Ugh
0: yeah you turn around and you see that the the cheese on the on the uh, rotund captain of the guard has completely congealed it is a solid block of cheese on his chin again
2: <laughs> before we we lob the cuz i guess we're not going to throw the the larger gentleman because no. he's not he's not going to fly as far um so before we chuck the the puny guard can we just check his body for
3: anything
0: um Yeah, Jamie, roll me an investigation check.
3: I hold his corpse up in front of you and you pat it down, basically.
2: (laughs) Is is that the help action? Because I I need it.
0: (laughs) That's definitely the help action, yeah.
2: I hold him upside down and shake him. Uh, I firstly rolled a two, but because of that lovely help action, I've rolled a nat 20. (laughs) I I can see into his soul. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, because you rolled in at 20 and Titus is helping you, he's turning this guard upside down and shaking him like a bully with a kid at school um, trying to give someone an atomic wedgie. Um, yeah, yeah th- uh, a, a picture of this guy's family falls out of his pocket, um, oh. a key ring with oh. his family picture on it. Um, a a picture of his nan who's on there like falls out of his pocket as well Um, but eventually after shaking him for loose change and everything um, not taking his clothes off um, and another just normal healing potion falls out
3: yay I'll take the nan photo I take the family key ring
1: (laughs) souvenirs like dark souvenirs from our kill it's a photo of some guy's nan (laughs) Oh. I can't
0: believe you guys are trophy killers already. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're so heartless.
2: Zach, do you want the healing potion or do you want the picture of the family? Well, I
1: suppose yeah. I mean, has he got any like? Um, have you got any subway vouchers or anything? Anything else <laughs> of any use?
0: You do see that a first bus pass does fall out with a uh, one ninety nine Big Mac meal deal on it.
1: Yeah. Score. Yeah, I'm having that. Is it specifically a Big Mac meal or can they let you have nuggets instead?
0: Uh, It is specifically a Big Mac meal, unfortunately.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, chicken nuggets (laughs) are the way forward. Chicken nuggets. Anyway, beggars. There's a bomb about to go off, guys.
0: Maybe. uh, (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh, I'll pop the the healing potion in my uh, utility belt as well in case you need it.
0: So, are you chucking this? Are you chucking this minor guard?
3: I'm picturing like sliding him along the floor, in case there's like a trip wire. Is my concern. I don't know whether that's better because I feel like distance wise, if someone's going to get set off by that, like in the air or whatever, that light that I'd lobbed was going to set that off. Whereas if there's like pressure pads or a trip wire, he's a t- crash test dummy, effectively here. But I don't know how far can I slide him. <laughs>
0: You could, uh, you could fly. You could slide him sixty feet again.
3: Oh, oh nice! Yeah, let's do that then.
0: Cool. You, you, <laughs> you hold on to this kid like you are the tree that holds up a hammock, and you swing him round.
3: I put like like uh, one finger in his arsehole because it's like a bowling, like a human bowling ball. Just wait.
0: oh, you put some spin on this guy. He like he barrel rolls as he slides along the floor, and as he slides, the um. The skin from his body just starts rubbing off and wearing down like sandpaper, <laughs> and this bloody trail is left behind. But you do make it 60 feet, and he lands right next to where the uh, the cog was that you threw, and uh, it goes straight under a bunch of these industrial shelving units, so it pushes some of the engine parts out of the way.
1: Steer <laughs> this is like some weird game of curling isn't it like what are we doing what are we trying to achieve
2: sure should, should we we nothing's gone off has it nothing's triggered no. let's head let's just get to that yeah lift
0: yeah. yeah okay you enter the warehouse a chill runs over your skin as the almost sub-zero temperature of the air brushes against you the floor feels crunchy underfoot as the ice particles break beneath you and the whir of moving hydraulic pipes within the walls mask any other sounds from reaching your ears. You are about 30 feet into this warehouse. Nothing has happened. You're free to explore if you want, but what are you doing? You're just trying to get to the other side of the room? I feel like we've, we've,
2: we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, Big Macs and throwing <laughs> cogs and uh people throwing so i, I don't i don't really want to spend that much time here
1: and also no. this this voucher actually expires in a couple of days so you know <laughs> <laughs> provided i don't get blown up i want the big mac
2: it expires in about an hour
1: so we have half yeah. an hour to get out of here and, and half an hour to find a mackie's <laughs> specifically a drive-through we ain't got time to sit in <laughs>
0: While you guys ponder about the fantasy world of when does McDonald's close, um, you round the corner of a particularly crowded shelving unit in the middle of this warehouse... And finally see the thing that has been making the roars you heard earlier. Bound to a hydraulic harness in the crucifixion pose, you see a 60-foot metal monstrosity that has the resemblance of a bipedal lizard with an extended tail at its rear and sleek, muscular-looking lower half being pumped full of arcane energy. Go ahead and make me either a perception or history check, please.
1: Oh, I'm well good at history, me
0: zakaia what did you get
1: and that one <laughs> okay. i mean uh technically technically i i it's a six because my history is plus five but i can't deny the fact that the dice roll was a critical fail so
0: <laughs> titus a 16
1: Ooh, well done titus
0: arc also got a 16 so we're gonna start with titus first Titus, as you see this metal monstrosity in front of you, your mind, like it did before when you dig the backflip, just goes into a complete and utter spin. And you are taken 10 years ago, a flashback to 10 years ago, when you had just signed your first ever pro wrestling contract at only 20 years old. A press conference has just been held, announcing you as an addition to the GWF roster, and your fairly new but well-respected acquaintance, Elmin Monroe is sat with you in a boardroom of a GWF training complex. He, sit, he sat across from you and he says, well, Listen here, kid, you're very talented and you got a back that hits the mat like a jackhammer and you're full of adolescent life but I gotta shape you into the champion you're gonna be. You take care of the business out there and I'll take care of the rest. Does that sound good to you? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you all puff your chests and flex in the room as this testosterone-filled room could burst. Um, he says, my business is to get you paid, okay? You got a three-year contract with the GWF at 20 years old. That's phenomenal, kid, you're a workhorse. But I'm going to be the one that gets you sponsorships outside of the ring. Ain't none of it worth it unless you got the stacks to show for it. You know what I'm saying? Checks and championships, baby. That's what we're all about. Ho, ho, ho! He brings you closer on the table and puts a little piece of paper in front of you. And he says... Now, I got this two-year deal right here with a little tech company called Solar Tech. They they want you to be an ambassador and the face of the company. They're going to be bigger than your shoulders are wide. Yes, sirree. Yeehaw. We flash forward six months later where you've already started to make a name for yourself in the tag team championships. You've not won the belt yet, but if you manage to put on a big show at Celebration Slam in a couple of weeks with your tag team partner... Elmin thinks you're in prime position for a shot at the title. We find you walking to the locker room, dripping in sweat and toweling off after an intense four-way tag match. You enter to see your tag team partner has just finished showering. He's muscular, wide-shouldered. He's got long hair which would normally cascade down the side of his face in waves, but is right now wet and swept back completely over his head. He's got deep, rich grey skin and... He's seven and three quarter inches tall and weighs 301 pounds. This was your first ever tag team partner when you started out. This is Volok, And he turns to you and he says, Hello, little man! Voloch. <laughs> you you greet him with only his name and no pronunciation on it but he says well done out there tonight it was very nice of you to show up this time another pin by me to clench the victory and crush our enemies don't worry you'll get one eventually if I keel over and die during a match <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: you stand there scratching your head, kind of looking away from him as he's being all jovial towards you and called you little man. He then turns around and says, look, man, I'm done here. I'm going to go spend my win bonus in the casino. Voloch opens his locker, grabs his duffel bag, slams it shut and heads out the room. Once he's gone, you take a second to look around the room. Roll me a perception check. Eighteen. You notice that as Voloch leaves the room, a tiny scrap of paper floats out from his duffel bag and onto the ground. You also notice, looking up from the piece of paper and back towards Volock's locker, that even though he slammed it shut, it didn't close properly. And there's an unsteady, muffled, vibrating sound coming from it. Well, I'm
3: going to grab this piece of paper and read it. And then, as I'm picking it up and turning around to read it, walking over to his locker, I suppose.
0: Okay, you open the note. It just says, Casino, 3am. Motherfucker say, what? You walk over to the locker. Are you taking a look inside?
3: I'll take a little peek inside, yeah. I want to see what this, this vibrating is.
0: You open the locker to see Volokh's speaking stone vibrating on the shelf. It's a classic flip phone, so you know that you could take a look without having to enter a password. I mean, we've
3: gone this far, haven't we? Let's have a look.
0: <laughs> you open the flip phone. It doesn't say hello, Moto. But you do see text notifications for two different threads.
3: Let's have a look at the top thread. What's the most urgent
0: one? You open the message. It's from someone in the phone called Tech, And the message reads, it will be a pleasure doing business with you and a reply from Volok saying, please, as long as I can push Little Man out of the spotlight even further, I'm in, with a spoon emoji at the end of the message, and another reply saying, sorry, I meant to put knife emoji, and another spoon emoji next to it.
3: I kind of want to crush this flipstone in my hand, but I'm going to read the, uh, the other uh, message thread.
0: Okay. <clears throat> you scroll down. Just one message. But the contact in the phone is just the word Zed and you read the message. Better not. It, it says, better not. And it says, please, Volok, stop contacting me. I'm not interested. Besides, I'm very much into someone else right now. Someone within your square ring of friends.
3: I want to crush the phone, but I feel like I might need it for evidence later. So I'm going to pop. I assume I've still got I just shove it in the side of my singlet and uh what time is it uh it's it's 2 a.m right now looks like we're heading to the casino then brother
0: okay not even showering either (laughs) (laughs) yeah you leave this place fully sweating towels still around you with just a bottle of water to keep you hydrated as you go we flash forward about 45 minutes later to the Slam Bucks Casino, an establishment built by the success of the Galactic Wrestling Federation. It's a golden gilded casino set in the ice caverns of Olay. There are wrestling themed slot machines and blackjack tables throughout the building, along with classic arcade machines too. You walk into the foyer and you see Volokov in the distance between the machines, talking with two incredibly well-dressed SolarTech representatives from the marketing department. But from where you are, you can't quite hear what they're saying.
3: I'm gonna uh, try and sidle over to a, a one-arm bandit near them if possible.
0: Okay. You saddle up. You slide on in. Are you? Are you trying not to be noticed?
3: I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but I am. Uh, I'm basically a rogue. Uh, <laughs> And no one's going to notice me. I'm I'm very stealthy. <laughs> I'm only seven 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 and a half foot tall,
0: don't forget. <laughs> Roll me a stealth check. <laughs>
3: oh, Here we go.
0: Fifteen. Fifteen.
3: Otherwise, i a surprised there. Sorry, fifteen, obviously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you always get those rolls on stealth. Yeah.
3: Minimum fifteen.
0: Yeah, easy. Titus, you're not seen. You have you have hidden yourself up behind uh, a pair of slot machines which kind of, through the crack, you can see 10, maybe 15 feet max in front of mm-hmm. you, Volok and these two marketing reps. Um, and they kind of, they tap him on the shoulder and they start leading him towards a function room, which is just to the right of you up against the wall. And they knock the function room the door is opened, the marketing reps walk in, ushering in Voloch behind him, and then they shut the door.
3: Mm. There's no like windows
0: around this that I can peek in, is there? There definitely are windows, but they've all got, you know, shutter blinds and they've Mm. all been turned down. There is, however, a tiny little window on the door which has kind of got a bit of frosted glass on it.
3: I suppose I could go up alongside it and, uh, and I don't know, could I put my ear next to the door? I'm trying to hear what they're saying. I mean, there's no point looking in if I can't hear what's being said.
0: Yeah, sure. So you want to, you want to kind of saddle up to the door, kind of kid in a kid in a American coming of age movie and put your cup to the door and have a listen. Um, So yeah, you saddle up. And you start to hear the conversation from within the room of what's going on. And you hear Volock say, Whatever it is you want me to be the face of, I am in. I can't wait to see the look on little man's face when he realises I'm your guy now. The marketing rep then goes, Well, Mr. Volock, sir, we thought you might want to see some of the billboard designs we've had made up that feature you next to our newest military product. Um... Volock goes, Yeah, show, show me the robot. The marketing rep walks towards a flip chart covered in a rich purple velvet cloth and pulls back on the drawstring. It reveals Volok stood next to a huge metallic robotic lizard with the markings of PW, MK and then three ones across its chest. The marketing rep then goes, all you need to do is make sure that Titus has a career-changing accident during your tag team championship match at Celebration Slam, and the money and contract is yours. You have no idea just how giddy I'm getting from looking at my face next to that thing. Consider it done, Mr. Marketing sort Man. Titus is toast. Roll me a stealth check.
3: Oh, I was really about to headbutt that door wide <laughs> open anyway. So it really... Ooh, uh, ten.
0: As you're peering into the room, a waiter comes up to you and very loudly says, Excuse me, sir, the conference room is for private guests only. Do you have an invitation? Everybody in the room in front of you then turns around to look at the door and sees kind of your silhouette within the Mm -hmm. frosted glass uh, start to move. What are you doing?
3: I say, oh, here's my invitation and headbutt the door, please.
0: (laughs) Uh, Right. Roll to hit this door. Uh,
3: Unlucky for some... Thirteen.
0: Yeah, you smash this door off its hinges. It is the <laughs> flimsiest MDMF door that you have ever headbutted in your life. And it bursts off its door. The, the hinges explode and vaporize. The metal is no longer there. And what do you say as this door comes off of its hinges and you're revealed to everybody in the room?
3: Ooh, let's think about this for a second. Something
1: like, uh, knock, knock. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>
3: thinking about a good line here sorry that's oh, right. considering so
0: please take your time i want this to be as epic as you want it to be <laughs> <laughs> for some reason i'm imagining you saying did somebody want their back door smashed in <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> because i'm disgusting i like to think you just stand open the door you know just like just standing there in complete silence <laughs> 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 yeah just tapping
0: the chin Um... Titus, you really don't have to say anything You can just stare menacingly
1: Sorry, I'm feeling a little unhinged (laughs) That's so good (laughs) That's good That's
3: That's very good, yeah, I'll take that Yeah, that's a great shout Good work, Amy
0: (laughs) So Zakaya's voice, who in this flashback You've never met, rings in your head And you suddenly get an idea (laughs) of what to say (laughs) Sorry about that I was feeling a little
3: Unhinged. Boom!
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a slide door.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and someone just points it out as well in the room. They're just like, it's a slide door. And he's like, fuck.
0: <laughs> everybody um, falls back in their chair, falls over onto the floor. Volok is the only one who is still standing in the room. Um, everybody has. Uh, Everybody is so surprised that you have suddenly just turned up. Um, as you smash this door off its hinges so poetically, what do you do as you enter this room?
3: I think I would just swagger in and maybe take down the straps of the singlet. We all know what's about to go down. Someone's probably going to get put through a window in due course. But
0: <laughs> So you enter the room. You take the straps off your singlet. You are fully raging. There is blood pumping through your veins. It looks like you want to deadlift this guy and chuck him out of a 13th floor story building. Um, what are you doing after you rage?
3: Uh, so the way I'm picturing it is there's a long table. You know, is that Am I picturing that right? And volox at the opposite end? Or... I think I'd like to jump on the table, run along it, and try and spear him out of his sodding chair. Or if he stood
0: up, <laughs> just just spear him. Amazing. Um, roll me a dexterity check to get onto this table. It's not going to take much. And then roll to hit Volok with a spear.
3: Okay. That's a, if people are unaware, I don't mean a physical spear. I mean a physical spear. As in I am spearing <laughs> it. Anyway uh Dexterity first, yes.
0: Yes, please. Eleven. Eleven. You get up on the table and you start running towards him. As you start running towards him, Volok goes, "Ha ha ha! It's little ma little man!" Roll to <laughs> hit. Thirteen. Thirteen. You hit him. What's that, like, you prick? You spear, Volok right in that really awkward place between the stomach and the ribs. Mm. So there's like this soft, cushiony feeling underneath your shoulder. But on top, you feel his you feel his bottom ribs just cave in and collapse. And he looks like he's going to be sick as you career through him and run into the back wall of this function room. And you come out of your flashback. You're back in the room, staring at this uh, robotic metal lizard. We're going to head over to Ark now. And Ark, you staring back at this robotic lizard in this military utilities warehouse. You have a flashback to five years ago to before you were exiled, to before the galactic travel ban was put in place, to when you were still living on the planet of E'en, to when you were still with your family, and when you were squadron leader of the elite Storm Aerialists. We see you flying high above the treetops on the planet of E'en, leading your troop on a scouting mission. You see ahead of you an approaching lesser squadron in your command. They pull up alongside you, and you hear an officer say, Squadron leader, sir, we found something down through the canopy on the marsh floor. Something I believe you'll want to see, sir. What is it? I think you better come see for yourself, sir. Okay, yeah,
2: I'm going to fly down with them.
0: Okay. The lesser squadron leads you and your company down, diving through the dense bush and into a clearing. You land safely, planting your talons into the wet grass, feeling the humidity of the jungle all around you. The Arakocren officer then salutes you and ushers you towards the rest of his company, who are guarding some objects on the ground next to an overgrown pathway.
2: Uh, I, I salute back, and um, yeah, I have a have a look. What do I say? Uh,
0: roll me an investigation check.
2: That is a thirteen.
0: A thirteen. You see some shell casings from a bolt-action arcane rifle on the floor that are still warm. They look to be standard-issue solar naval ammunition. But when you look closer, you see the casings have been embossed with a logo of a globe being orbited by a satellite.
2: Do I know what that logo is?
0: Roll me a history check. That is a a
2: natural 20.
0: (sighs) (laughs) You know that this is the ammunition of a high-ranking solar naval officer. And you also know that there are only six officials in the entire solar navy who could be connected to this symbol. You don't necessarily know who, but you know that six people, six official ranks can be tied to that globe with the satellite orbiting around it.
2: Uh, so I'm going to go to the other company and uh, say to the, the the guy in charge and just go, uh, "Who are your who are your two fastest flyers?"
0: He says, uh, "Sir, that'll be uh, me and Corporal Danian.
2: Uh I'm going to hand them over the shell with the logo on it and just say to them, uh, "Take this to Alec as quickly as you can fly."
0: Okay. They leave. They fly back to HQ. To see your wife, Mm. Alec. For the time being, we won't be going there. But you do still have this very overgrown pathway next to where these casings were found. Um, And one of the officers kind of suggests to his uh, company leader, who will then come and talk to you, that these... This overgrown pathway doesn't look natural. It looks like things have been placed there.
2: So I want to send the lesser company. No offense to the lesser company. I want them (laughs) to um, fly above uh, the canopy and just like patrol. So I want them just to to fly around. So I'll tell them to to do that. And uh, with my troop, uh, I am going to get them to kind of spread out a bit. And we're going to head towards that canopy. I'm going to pull out my short sword as well.
0: Okay. You give the orders. These You see these Aarakocran, uh military Aarakocran stormily areas launch into the sky. Um, and you see your company kind of surveying the area, pulling at, pulling at branches. And this is really dense jungle that you're walking into. Um And you see the officers take out some of their energy knives and start to cut apart and pull back some of the branches placed over this pathway. And as they pull all this stuff back, they see it, lying in the marsh, covered in even more branches than the pathway, the monstrous metallic robotic lizard known as Planewalker. You've stumbled across what seems like a massive... ...disastrous weapon. And your feeling towards this thing is not a good one when you first see it. Um, You do notice from looking at it that it is covered and uh, embossed with solar, naval, uh, signets and insignia. Um, So you... This would... This would mean, for your clan, that the Solar Navy have invaded your planet without you knowing. Wow.
2: Uh, I, what would I do? Right, so we'll, how many people have I got in my troop?
0: Uh, You've got about 30 with you.
2: Cool, so I'm going to send 10 of them up to join the lesser company, just to protect them. And I'm going to get the other 20 just to clear, um, clear away uh, some of the kind of like bush and stuff. Just so there's like a, maybe like a 60 foot kind of circle around it. So I know that no one's just very close to us.
0: You jump into action with your leadership skills and your troop get to work. They start cutting back branches and trees and foliage and start to clear. What essentially you're doing is making a, a massive crop circle around uh, this metallic robotic lizard. Um, in all that you're doing around it, nothing is happening. Okay. It's not switching on, it's not moving. it's not it's not showing any signs of offense. Um, but as you as your troops clear all this stuff away, they they then start to understand the severity of what is going on here the solar navy have the solar navy have come we flash forward a few days later to a meeting with you and field marshal aves the leader of your clan our top scientists have conducted their research and have discovered plane walker's capabilities. We could use this weapon to our advantage against the invading solar naval forces, Captain Ark. I want you to help carry out the weapons testing out at sea at dawn tomorrow. See that it's done.
2: Okay. So, uh, in terms of the weapons test, do I
0: know where it is at sea? Uh, yeah, it's in it's in the um, it's in the smack bang in the middle of the sea. It is. In terms of testing, anything that you guys have ever tested before is nowhere near civilians.
2: Cool. So I'll just go, yes, sir.
0: And he goes, good. Don't make me get your wife, my daughter, to do this assignment for you.
1: Oh, damn. Damn. You didn't say that, uh, you know, daddy-in-law was was involved in this army.
0: I wouldn't dare, sir. I wouldn't dare cross my wife. (laughs) You salute him, he salutes you. We flash forward again a few weeks later. We see Plane Walker stood upon a platform hovering over the waves while Aracochran engineers charge its vibrant blue arcane energy batteries. Ark, you are watching from an Aracochran battleship in the sky where Field Marshal Aves is standing next to you and other high-ranking officials, including your wife, Colonel Elek commander of the elite storm aerialists brigade you hear field marshal aves step forward and he says gentlemen we are on the precipice of supremacy
2: i'm gonna shoot a look at my wife she
0: oh yeah rather (laughs) (laughs) oh shit sexy times are gonna happen no um she, with within within all this tension she shoots a look directly back at you but is so stern in her colonel like ways mm-hmm. you you have looked upon this woman a million times and you know that this is not good no. that things could be going horribly awry and that field marshal aves is possibly stepping outside of what your clan consider to be good yeah um you hear a radio call um, from an engineer at the plane Walker platform. And it goes, Field Marshal Aves, sir, all systems are ready and we have engaged full power on the weapon. I repeat, full power on the weapon. You hear Field Marshal Aves then say, the Solar Navy will not know what hit them. Once we take out their encampment on the west side of the forest, they'll have nothing left to do but evacuate. Everybody of, who's high-ranking in that room starts nodding. You get the feeling that some of these nods are not sincere, some of them are not in agreement with what is going on, but this is happening. You then hear another radio call come in, and it's directly to you this time, Ark. And it's from the scout team who are assessing the target attack area Captain Ark, sir, we've made some last minute assessments on the target zone. The forest gnomes, sir, the forest gnomes. There is now a hundred percent chance of civilian casualties. I repeat, a hundred percent chance of civilian casualties. Field Marshal Ave steps up and says, Well, Captain, fire the damn thing, as he stares directly at you. What do you do?
2: I say, sir, reports of civilians in the blast zone. Say what? Reports of uh, forest gnomes. In the area. What
0: are the chances of civilian casualties? Hundred percent, sir. A hundred percent for actual civilian casualties? Yes, sir. Or a hundred percent of population wipeout. Both. You say both. Roll me a deception check. Ooh. Oh fuck. I rolled a four. <laughs>
3: Please tell me you said both and winked at your wife at the same time. (laughs) Both.
0: Field Marshal Aves steps right up to you now. Uh Uh-oh. And he says, Squadron Leader Ark, do I, do I really need to, do I really need to summon your wife over here and get her to do what you can't?
2: I'm not firing this weapon, sir. I'm sorry. I'm not firing this weapon, sir.
0: I think you need to say that a little louder for all of the high-ranking officials in here to hear this. Say no way. <laughs> say no way. Arc.
1: <laughs> That's very insensitive, <laughs> but also hilarious.
2: <laughs> so I'm going to turn on my speaking stone and talk to uh, my squad, and just go, uh, Field Marshal Aves. Uh, new orders aboard.
0: And you do this in front of everybody, (laughs) all these officials in this room. Good for you.
1: Mic drop, buddy. Mic drop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You make this order and Field Marshal Ave says, seize him! And immediately, 20 guards, higher ranking officials than say you are possibly, enter the room and surround you and your two other guards. He walks through them and up to you and he backhands you across the face in front of your wife, in front of all these high-ranking officials.
2: I turn to him, draw my short sword, <gasps> and plunge it into the controls so he can't
0: fire it. Oh This is unprecedented. So, as you do so, sparks of arcane blue energy erupt up of your sword. They don't erupt up of your body because you are earthing this energy to the floor. Um, but the the power to the console on this side of the um, battle station in the sky pulls down. And he steps back from you and says, so disappointing. I knew that I would have to do this myself. And he gets on the radio and he says, FIRE IT FROM THE PLATFORM! You see a piercing bright red beam erupt from the mouth of Planewalker, firing on the solar naval encampment. Silence falls across the battleship command room as at first, nothing happens when this beam hits the encampment, then... The shockwave hits the viewing platform of the battleship and you are blinded for what seems like an eternity as the explosion fills the sky and and, and turns the target area into vaporised dust and wildfire. This huge mushroom cloud which is out over this gnomish forest has devastated everything at full power. The battleship rocks it jolts and jutters in the sky which is being held up by huge industrial propellers and Marshal looks back at you and says you were never a son-in-law of mine but never a military man you shall ever be again.
2: Uh, can I look to all the high-ranking officials? So I'm going to surrender, get on my knees and yeah. I'm going to lower my hands to my men who are going to surrender as well and I'm going to look at all the officials and go is this who you want to lead you? Someone who brings fire and death to this planet to its people regardless of who they are if, if you want to be part of this, this atrocity You can be, but I'm not, and I would encourage you in the next few days to think about what has happened here.
0: You, in saying all of this to the men in the room, look over towards Colonel Elek, your wife, and she has the tiniest little smile coming out from the corner of her mouth and a single tear rolling down from her left eye. All the officials in the room kind of look at each other know that what you're saying is the absolute truth but ignore it completely you're back in the maintenance base, staring at this massive lizard Zakaya. you also have a flashback to five years ago looking up at this giant metallic Robot lizard that is in the crucifix position. You have a flashback to five years ago, to before you'd left the planet of E'en, to when home life was a simpler time. We see you alone, crouched stealthily behind a tree. Instead of seeing your finely crafted gnomish prosthetic arm on your right, we see a very rudimentary set of small branches held together with vines instead of your How arm.
3: How did that arm get lost again? Sorry,
0: I missed Shh. that.
1: Down in front. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Still crouched, you watch the leaves and branches for the tiniest of movements all around you. Mm. Roll me a perception check. Seven. <laughs> You're suddenly grabbed from above and pushed down into the ground as the whole weight of a small humanoid lands directly on your back and you hear it say,
1: Gotcha! Gotcha! Oh my god. Who is it? Do I know who it is? Can I check?
0: You see a three and a half foot tall gnome dressed in forest hunting attire with a bow strapped to his back and a hunter's knife at his side. This is your best friend Zapple.
1: Oh, I thought it was Zapple. What the fuck are you doing scaring me like that?
0: I knew I'd get you. I knew I would. It was only a matter of time. Yeah, well,
1: I wasn't really trying. I There was a lot of wind. So, yeah. You got lucky this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah,
0: whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um how are you how are you coping with you know the arm uh,
1: I mean it's okay I I'm struggling to uh hold a cup of tea you know I'm sort of having to like one hand some very simple tasks um I mean do you think that there's any chance you could have an upgrade anytime soon
0: um I'm not really one to upgrade things um I mean I I did an okay job patching up the vines that broke loose when we were hunting but I if anything, I kind of feel responsible seeing as it was my idea in the first
1: no, place. No, no. Hey, Zappel, it was, it, hey, it wasn't your fault. And to be fair, hey, look, now I've got a handy butt scratcher whenever I want. The twigs are really useful. I can get right to the back. And I never used to be able to do that before.
0: That's what I really like about you, You've, You look at the bright side of things all the time. Oh, hey, look, look, I, I caught a rabbit for you earlier thought you could you know make one of those rabbit skin hairbands you're always going on about it's white too so it'll go with your hair oh my god
1: yes my dreads thanks so much sapple i'll um i'll i'll keep that for later i'll skin that when i get home
0: you're 19 years old you've been hanging out in the forest as kids do but you only hang out with the gnomes because you are the only half elf for what seems like an eternity all around you um And you're walking through the forest and you're just kind of chatting about your day and what's been happening and Zapple kind of turns to you and says, can I... Can I still come round for tea at yours later? Your mum makes like the best tree sap ice cream I've ever had.
1: Yeah. Although dad's not allowed any more tree sap ice cream because he can't get out of the door at the moment. you have seen the size of him, you know, too much of that tree sap <laughs> ice cream. Um, yeah, of yeah. course. You're, you're always welcome. You're basically one of our family. And then I sort of like jokingly and lovingly kind of go to like give him a little nudge. But because I'm much bigger and stronger... It's a bit like Elf. I just kind of like basically smash this guy to the ground and then I'm like, oh, sorry, Zephel. <laughs> oh, oh,
0: that's okay. I suppose you got me back for jumping on you earlier. I don't know my own strength. He puts up his hand for you to pull him up again.
1: Give him a yank back to his feet and sort of dust him off a little Lovely. bit.
0: Just then, through the undergrowth, you hear the loveliest voice of a tiny gnomish lady calling your name. Zakire, oh Zakire, and Zapple goes. Think that's your mum calling. I best go too. I've got so many chores to do. I'll see you later for
1: that ice cream, right? Yeah, definitely. Cheers for the old uh, rabbit band.
0: No problem. Any time. And Zapple swiftly darts off into the brush, and you hear your mother's voice getting closer and closer.
1: Zakire, Zakire. I'm going to practice my sneaking skills because I feel a little bit dejected by the fact that Apple got one over on me earlier. So I'm going to try and sneak up on my mum and uh, make her jump.
0: Roll me a stealth check.
1: <laughs> it's really not, not going well today. I've got two. <laughs> Stomping in the house. I'm as stealthy as uh, Titus thinks he is. <laughs> hey.
0: You... Uh... You try to hide behind this tree, um, and you, <laughs> to put it plainly, um, you don't stand behind the tree. You stand to the side of it, and uh, you just look like a half elf stood in the middle of a field. I'm picturing I'm picturing Peter
3: Griffin when he tries to hide in the female <laughs> locker room.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh, they've seen uh oh, they see me. And as you're stood there, this lovely tiny gnomish woman says oh there you are my lovely i've been looking everywhere for you your dad needs help building the woodshed so we best hurry back before it's dark all right this is your mother this is brenna she is a small gnomish woman with an apron on and a a silver bun in her hair and yeah she she says come on now my lovely we've got to get home you've got to help dad build the woodshed all right
1: yeah okay is that still uh cool to come over later Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, I love.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. H- how is How is Apple, by the way? He's a lovely little chap.
1: I wish you'd stop trying to set us up. I think he's a bit short for me. <laughs> he follows
0: you around like a lovesick puppy. Not that I'm assuming anything, of course. He's just one of the more nicer gnomish boys around here, isn't
1: Mom? he?
0: Mom. <laughs> 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 how's your uh, How's your arm, my lovely?
1: Yeah, it's okay. I, I'm. I'm still getting used to it. Um, but it kind of doesn't hurt as much at night now I- I've stopped having the night terrors where I, I keep losing it all over again <laughs> <laughs> what? Amy that was so good I just, <laughs> it was so nice and
0: so lovely I just had to laugh <laughs> I'll take it from there <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's laughing in my face I was like oh yeah uh- <laughs> it's cool it's totally got better and you're like nah
0: nah <laughs> So so are you still are you still experiencing that kind of like phantom pain in the night where you think it's there but it's not.
1: I love the voice my mum has so much. Um Um yeah, occasionally. Um yeah, I just uh it was just really stupid of me, you know? I can't I still can't believe I did it.
0: No, no, don't be silly. Do not do not say those things. You are you are a grown woman, and you're absolutely allowed to go out and do all the hunting. I just, I just worry about you. I, I, look, I'm sorry that your replacement arm, for the time being, is, is not the most advanced thing in the world. But we'll, we'll, we'll see to it that you're comfortable eventually, my love. I, I promise.
1: Okay, thanks, mum.
0: And uh, just remind me, uh, what did you
3: do to lose that arm again? <laughs>
1: He's gone from court. That was like
0: Bristol to Irish. <laughs> I will find this out one day. Uh, Titus, we'll get to that one day. Okay. okay. I've speci- I've, I've, I have I've specifically wrote this bit with um, Adam in mind because I was like, I can't give away what's actually happened until Amy actually wants to give it oh, it's away. It's
1: more just that I like Adam's reactions where you can just see him like, Oh, yeah. Oh, oh.
0: yeah. <laughs> But uh, your mum kind of puts her arm around you and she takes you aside and she says... Show off. At least I know you can handle yourself out there in the big wide world. You're growing up fast and me and your dad, I... Look, I know we're not your real mum and dad, but... We're so proud of you, my little butter sprout.
1: Oh, I... Hey mum, you are... You and dad are the only parents I've ever known. And fair enough, I might be a little bit different. But this is my home, this is my family, and this is everything. Everything here is, is what I hold closest to my heart, and it's very sacred. And I couldn't imagine having grown up anywhere else. No other set of parents could have loved me more, not even my own.
0: She grabs your cheek and she tussles your hair, and she just looks at you as if, um, with unconditional love, um, She is so content. In the fact that you are growing into this fine young woman we flash forward only a few hours to around about dinner time where you and your dad Lofrim, another three and a half foot tall very stout gnome with a balding hairline and a masonry apron on are putting final touches to the woodshed Ugh, i should do it Nice work there, Zach. We're getting to be as strong as your old man, and he flexes in the most dad way possible and <laughs> chuckles as he does it. Um, he pauses, looks at you, and says, "Now I I know I know it's been a bit difficult, a, a difficult month with you getting used to your arm and all that, and I know I told you to stay out of my tinkering shed for the last few weeks because you you can't keep your nose out of anybody's business, can you? But me and your mum, we." We really want you to have something. Can I Can I get it for you?
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Loughram scurries away into the shed. You hear the crash and bang of metal tools and the clatter of wooden objects being rummaged through like he was hunting for buried treasure in a scrapyard. And then, silence. The door to the shed creeps open ever so slowly and you see your dad appear, stepping... Out, with an object wrapped in a cheesecloth your mum said we should wait until your 20th birthday in a couple of weeks but I really want you to have this now he presents the cheesecloth to you
1: okay uh, I take the cheesecloth um, and I sort of lock eyes with my dad and just say uh, thank you um, are you sure
0: Yes, absolutely. Please just unwrap it so I can get really giddy when you see it.
1: Okay, so I slowly peel back the cheesecloth. And what do I see inside?
0: You see a beautifully ornate, fully functioning wooden arm embossed with a crest of a bear on the shoulder varnished with the finest elven oils and detailed with fine metal wire work throughout all of the arm and along the knuckles and your dad says do you like it
1: oh my god dad it's amazing oh that is absolutely fantastic thank you so so much oh my god i can't wait can i try it on now how does it how does it work how did you make it i just start like babbling off like a million questions like who did the bear <laughs> oh my gosh who varnished the thing
0: it was it was it was me in the shed. That's why I told you not to go in for the last I don't know how many weeks. I didn't want you snooping around while I was making it. Come on, girl, put up, put it on. And he uh, he unclips your uh, really rudimentary made uh, prosthetic arm that you've got at the moment and says, "Come on, let me help you get it on. Let me help you." He goes um, click and y- click snaps on, and he says, well, go on then. Give it a go."
1: Looks looks good to me. It feels feels great. I can feel every single finger. They're no longer just twigs. That's awesome.
0: You open and close your fist, you extend uh your elbow, and you can feel as well that you've got like proper rotation in your arm as if it was like a a real working arm. And he says to you, No. I wasn't supposed to do this because your mother advised me not to, but there's a little secret in the forearm, but I I think you should kind of discover that for yourself. So it's a little game, you know, for me and you just like, just, just if you, if you're out and you're using your arm, there's just know that there's a part of me and your mother inside, inside you forever. Okay.
1: Thanks dad I'll um I'll treasure this forever this this is you've given me a part of me that I thought I lost back so thank you so much
0: just as you end this conversation with your dad, your mum Brenna runs out of the house in a fluster and says, Oh, my stars! I forgot the tree sap for the ice cream! Loffy, my lovely, I need you to run to the neighbours and pick some up. I'll go over the hill and get the chickens from the pen over the hill. And you hear Lofi from your dad go, Yes, of course, my darling, of course. And then she turns to you and says, Zach, please, please, watch the stove while I'm gone. I've got a pot of moss soup on and I don't want it to burn. I'll be ten minutes tops. I love you, my little zucchini. I love you. And she squeezes you. Your little cheek and her and your dad hop off over the hill to go and fetch the tree sap ice cream and the chickens from the pen. What do you do?
1: So uh I guess I wander back into the uh to the house. Um, have a good whiff of that moss soup, give it a little stir. Um, I don't really know kind of uh, how how well it done it needs to be, so I'm just kind of like giving it a stir, then a whiff, then a little stir, then a little whiff. Um, Zapple should be here at some point soon, I'm sure for dinner uh and I just can I look around the house? can I sort of have a little bit of a you know my dad as my dad said I'm a bit of a nosy person can I have a little little look around the house
0: yeah, you um what you've walked into is kind of like the the main entrance of the house, which walks straight on into the kitchen, so it's you know it's a very it's an open plan cobblestone cottage very country kind of feel really deep sink thick wooden desktops um really comfy like old old springless furniture um lots of pictures of you your mum and dad everywhere pots and pans hanging from the ceiling is there anything you're
1: looking for in particular in this house oh i'm gonna try and get a snack in before dinner (laughs) so i have a little look through the cupboard see if there's anything i can eat
0: yeah, you look through the cupboards and you, um, you, you look through all the kind of healthy stuff at the front, the nuts and the and the fruit and vegetables which are out on the side, and then you come to where your parents don't think that you know about is the back of this cupboard with this fake wall, and inside of it are all of your dad's like little fancy elven chocolate treats that he'll get at the market when he goes there. So you pull this little. Um, you pull this little board back, and uh, it's full of sweeties.
1: Oh, I'm gonna have a couple of those. Put them back. Try and put them back in the exact same way that Dad had put them in there, so he do not know.
0: <laughs> Zakaya, roll me a strength saving throw. Ooh. Ooh. Uh,
1: eight.
0: You feel a sickly force that you have never encountered before slam into your body that makes you feel like your skeleton is going to burst out of your skin. And as you are upturned by this shockwave that has completely rocked you from out of nowhere, everything else in the house goes exactly the same way. Pots, pans, furniture are all upturned and scattered throughout the house. Zakaya, roll me a constitution saving throw as you hit your head on the stone fireplace.
1: 16.
0: 16. Mm -hmm. Your head slams into this fireplace and you are knocked out, completely and utterly knocked out. With a 16, you come around pretty quickly you, your vision is just completely and utterly blurred and you see reds and oranges outside of the cottage window and you smell smoke and burning and exploding tree sap. You, you turn and look as you kind of come to and get up through a shattered window and out onto devastation that has suddenly surrounded your, your home. Trees have been flattened water vaporized and everything is on fire. Everything is just in this apocalyptic mess. What do you do?
1: I just run through, run in any direction that I can that isn't just completely ablaze, just screaming for my mom and my dad.
0: You run out the back of the house and you turn to the sky screaming for Brenna and lofrin Absolutely nobody is around. You don't see Wildstock, You don't see people, you don't see any gnomes, you don't see wildlife anymore. This is absolute devastation. Um, The sky is lit with the most evil looking shades of red and orange you've ever seen as this fire licks the clouds. And in the not so far distance, above the damage and destruction, maybe a hundred feet in the air, you see a metallic robotic lizard floating in the sky with the markings, PW, Mark, and then three ones on its chest. And as it bellows out its final roar across the wasteland, that is now your home, your flashback ends and you're back in the maintenance bay. Everybody is now back in the maintenance bay and out of their flashbacks. Everybody go ahead and roll me insight checks. Ark, what did you get? 19. Titus? 11. Sakaya
1: and if you can see Ooh.
0: hey <laughs>
1: boop, 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 boop.
0: nap 20 boop, 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 boop. Nap 20 okay you all know from the looks on your faces that you've experienced this thing in your life before and as you all turn to each other and realize this the room rumbles and shakes as this metallic lizard starts to roar again, and you see the blue energy through the through the pipes and pumps going into its body start to um, start to power this thing up as it roars. Um, everybody, go ahead and give me a perception check.
2: Ark got an unnatural twenty.
1: Still great, though. Zakiya? Um eighteen. Titus,
0: twelve. Zakia, you see. That the blue energy that is being pumped into this robotic metal lizard is so reminiscent of the blue insidious rock you saw in your nightmare earlier today. Okay. An uh, an arc. You notice with your perception check that on the side of this robotic lizard is what looks like the battery life on it. And you see that there are four quadrants on the side of it. And you notice that it's only a quarter full. And as you notice this, the metallic robotic lizard breaks from its harness and jumps to the floor. Everybody go ahead and gave me dexterity saving throws as this thing hits the floor and makes an earthquake in this room. arc Ark. Ark rolled a 15. Zakiya.
1: I rolled a 19. A couple of good ones, my bad ones earlier.
0: Titus.
3: like dog shit at a moment. Seven.
0: Seven. Okay, Titus, under this earthquake, you are knocked prone, so you are now lying on the floor. Um, Zakiya and Ark, you are still standing, and you've not taken any damage. Um, this thing bellows out the biggest roar that you've ever heard. You're so close to it that it makes your ears ring. And at this moment, Ark, in your head, you hear your wife's voice ring out the clearest you've ever heard it when you've not been by her side. And she says, run. And that's where we're in our session. Oh, Oh.
1: Jesus. (laughs) Wow. Um. Cool, that was a good end.
2: Wow.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, thanks. Thanks, Amy. That was, yeah, thanks. That was, that was all right, wasn't it? Everybody
1: okay with that episode? I feel
3: like I got off a bit lightly. I just speared Vollock whilst everyone else just watched like loads of people die.
1: Yeah, but you still got to have your, <laughs> wow, moment, which I obviously look, yeah, we all look forward to every episode. Oh, man.
2: Amy, how much did you know about that part of your backstory before this?
1: Um, so I, what do, do you mean, like, my had I made my backstory or had I just kind of improved it then and there?
2: I meant, did you know it was connected?
1: Not at all, no. And that actually, that was why it was quite, I think that was why I loved this episode, the writing side of it. Go, Ollie, Because <laughs> actually, yeah, I, it was, um... It was when Titus obviously uh, sort of, we realized that Volark had the connections with uh, the Solar Navy and the the PW side of it, that I was like, because actually, you might've heard me gasp at that moment, but during that bit with Titus, I was like, PW, uh, MK3, that's something I have to remember. And it was burnt into my brain because that was the thing I saw flying over my my home. Mm. Um, And then obviously when you said about the planeswalker in your story arc, that's where I was like, shit, this is all gonna like interlink really well. yeah, it actually, do you know, it really hit me when you were doing your whole bit about not firing the weapon, because I was like, oh, if he didn't, then I wouldn't have, you know, lost people close to me. So,
3: mm. oh. maybe if it had said no way, then the uh, bloke wouldn't have done it. But you know,
1: <laughs> just, just a thought. <laughs> He'd have gone. You're not a, you're not no son of a son-in-law of mine, but damn, I respect that comedy value. <laughs> <laughs> If you want
0: to hear more of this crazy, wacky, bunkers chat, um, you should join us for the next episode of No Dice, where we look back at all the episodes we've done so far and we talk about what you guys have experienced as first-time D&D players to this campaign. Um, we'll be releasing that episode next week, and then after that week, we'll get back on the main campaign. Um if you want to follow this podcast, and you absolutely can, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram with Pod. Go over there, say hello, and tell me how great my story writing is with interlinking all these guys' stories. Do it. Um, yeah, you should, they should definitely do it. Um, Jamie, if people really like you and want to know where they can follow you and what you're up to, where can they find you on the social media?
2: Uh, I'm at Jammu1987 on Twitter. Please don't at me about me not being able to save the gnomes.
1: (laughs) 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 Hashtag save the gnomes.
0: (laughs) Gnome killer. Uh, Amy, if people want to find you on the social media, where can they find you?
1: So I'm Amy underscore Mallet on Twitter and uh, the rather wanky, I think, therefore, I Amy on Instagram.
0: Oh, my God. So profound. Mm. Adam, if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? Well, if you're listening to this and
3: thinking, I tell you what, I want to see more of this wrestling, Lark. Well, you can follow me and see a lot more of this bollocks. Adam Wilborn on everything.
0: Uh, Please subscribe to us if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts and leave us a review, a lovely five-star review and tell Jamie just how badly he should have saved those gnomes and (laughs) at him, please. Um, We'll see you all next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.